Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. My name is Gianna Melillo, Associate Editor of the American Journal of Managed Care. In recent years, predictive models in medicine have become increasingly popular, what with the continued integration of artificial intelligence and data technology into healthcare. However, these models can carry the risk of bias depending on which individuals make up the data sets. The close relationship between healthcare and technology also raises a myriad of questions when it comes to regulation, accountability, and model implementation. In this month's Health IT issue of the American Journal of Managed Care, Paige Nong and colleagues present research on facilitating informed decision-making and communicating equity issues when integrating predictive models into care. On this episode of Managed Carecast, Nong outlines how the researchers carried out their study, the ethical challenges of combining computer science with health, and next steps for combating bias in predictive models. Welcome to Managed Carecast, Paige. To begin, could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the work you do? Sure. My name is Paige Nong. I am a PhD candidate in public health at the University of Michigan. Uh, My work usually focuses on health information technology and structural racism. So I ask a lot of questions about how those two things may interact, um, may counterbalance each other, or, um, or may reflect each other. Great. And so what made you want to study potential biases in predictive models? And can you outline an example of such a model for our audience? Yeah, sure. So there was one specific paper that I read um, in 2019 by Ziad Overmeyer and colleagues. It was published in Science, where they analyzed racial bias in a specific algorithm used by a really large uh, American insurer. So they wanted to look at um, using all of the data uh, that was used to build this sort of predictive model or algorithm to identify whether there was racial bias in the results. So um, they're looking at the specific algorithm that was used to predict a patient's need for care management. So this is something, you know, sort of support services for high-risk patients. Um, And then the idea was that they would predict the patient's need and direct sort of provider attention and care coordination to those patients who were at high risk. Um, This is a relatively rare empirical analysis of a healthcare algorithm and bias where they identify that Uh, at any given risk score, black patients were sicker than white patients who received the same score from this predictive model. So the burden of disease for these black patients was higher than the white patients who received the same score as they did, meaning that healthier white patients were receiving these additional care management resources than sicker black patients. So looking at this paper and sort of seeing the graphs of the disease burden compared to the algorithmic score that they received was really striking for me. Um, It seemed just critically important that more work like this takes place um, because these tools often operate kind of behind the scenes. Sometimes we don't see the impact. Um, We don't see the impact like we did in that that Overmeyer paper. So preventing this kind of harm um, just sort of became really clearly important to me and some of the other researchers uh, that I work with. So that was sort of the impetus for thinking about predictive models and um, and structural racism and how those sort of may be feeding off of each other uh, and reflecting each other. 
Can you elaborate on the issue of regulation of predictive models or lack thereof? Certainly. So like in a lot of other technological domains, policy can sort of struggle to respond to or anticipate how predictive models could be designed or implemented. You know, we've seen this with social media and sort of other techno technologies where, uh, where our policy infrastructure just isn't quite, um, isn't quite up to speed. So without policy guidance around how to approach predictive models in health systems, it sort of leaves health systems and vendors and insurers and providers left trying to manage these tools on their own. Um, there are lots of ways that this kind of uncertainty can negatively impact providers who might feel confused about what models to trust or where they should go to find really important information about them. Uh, it may leave them in, you know, in our work, we heard from some providers that they were really confused about liability and what happens if there might be errors in a model. So there was just some, some real confusion for providers. Without a clear policy framework, um, health systems are also sort of left to figure this out on their own. Um, who should be responsible for identifying bias in the first place? Um, what kind of guidelines should we be looking for or following when we're implementing these tools? Um, predictive models and algorithmic risk scores are relatively common in the U.S. healthcare system. And so um, we really saw a need for some additional policy guidelines um, that could engage with predictive models as they're really used in the healthcare system today. Getting into your work in particular, how did you carry out your current ana analysis and what were the main findings? So we wanted to conduct analysis of how providers and health systems and other stakeholders are thinking about predictive models and what information they need to feel informed about those tools. So we identified model developers, administrators, clinicians, and experts um, who are engaged in healthcare delivery and management to understand their perspectives. What information do they need? what information would be helpful for them as they're either managing a healthcare system or providing care directly to patients. So we included providers from multiple specialties and um, project managers and health IT specialists and model developers from across uh, a large academic medical center and uh, conducted semi-structured interviews with them to understand their perspectives, their level of experience, uh, and then any sort of concerns or questions that they had about predictive models and how they're implemented in the health system. A lot of clinicians in particular were really concerned about the sort of specific implications for their patients of these models and had, um, and had uh, these sort of key informational elements that they really wanted uh, displayed to them when they were evaluating or potentially using a model. So these included information about model developers and users. So who made this model and who's using it? They wanted to know about the methodology used to create the model. They wanted to know about peer review and updates. So what's the process for sort of updating the model over time? Uh, and what was the process for vetting the model and its quality? And then really, really importantly, they wanted to know about population validation. Clinicians were especially concerned that a given model had been validated on either their own patient population 
or a population very similar to the patients that they treated. Um, they wanted they wanted some information and some assurance that this kind of model was relevant to their patients, to the patients that they they care for. So those are sort of the four key informational elements that emerged from this first phase of our research. So after conducting these forty six interviews and producing sort of a product information label prototype that responded to these needs. We also wanted to ask some, some questions about how a predictive model and a product information label like this could interact with or respond to or reflect structural inequity and some of those problems that we see in our healthcare system. So we followed up and did a second phase of the project with experts on public health and health equity to see what they thought about predictive models and their interaction with, uh, with structural inequity. So based on those follow-up interviews, we identified two additional informational elements that would be helpful in a product information label uh, to guide decision-making about predictive models. So these two additional informational elements were the purpose and application of a model. Is this model meant to cut costs? Is this model meant to direct additional care to patients who may need it? What is, what is the purpose and the application of a model so that we can think about the ways that it could interact with structural inequality? Then the second informational element that emerged from these expert interviews was structural inequity. What is the implication for a given type of structural inequity for this hypothetical predictive model? Um, are low SES patients facing additional barriers to care that might result in a delayed diagnosis? Is there some sort of um, structural barrier that patients may be facing that providers and health systems should be aware of as they're evaluating a model, implementing it, or sort of, or sort of thinking about it in direct clinical care? So those are sort of the, the key findings. Uh, and one implication that we think is really important is that these experts, like the ones that we interviewed in the second phase of our research, be included in model sort of development and design from inception so that these issues like structural inequity and being clear about the purpose and application of a model with its social implications are really part of the process from the beginning. And going off that answer, in the study, you and your colleagues wrote that accounting for and communicating these risks of biases in model development and implementation were critically important, although there was considerable variation in opinions about where and with whom this responsibility could lie or should lie. Can you elaborate on the heterogeneity of opinion that you received in your feedback? Certainly, and this kind of points back to our, our discussion earlier of policy. So some of our participants were trying to grapple with who is responsible for identifying bias. Ziad Overmeyer and colleagues are not gonna be able to analyze every algorithm that's applied to large patient populations. Um, we don't have the sort of infrastructure to conduct systematically this kind of bias analysis on every algorithm that affects patients. So how do we do this? How can it be standardized? Should it be? Who should communicate about predictive models with providers? And do developers have that obligation? Or is it really the implementing health system that has a responsibility to vet each individual model, identify bias, and communicate about it with their providers? So some experts we talked to felt really strongly that vendors or model developers had an obligation to do this 
to be really clear about the data that they're using, their methodologies, the potential inequity implications, and then conduct bias analysis. Others thought that health systems, because they have you know, the data that's relevant to their own patient populations, should be the ones who are looking for bias and trying to sort of anticipate it and prevent it. Um, so there was some, some real heterogeneity of opinion here and a need for sort of a, a higher level framework or policy guidance about who should be vetting these models, especially when we think about specific types of bias. So what are the next steps for this research? Are you going to be looking into how these individuals who foresee unintended consequences can be better integrated into the model development or how they can be incorporated into the process? I think it's a really interesting question. And in our conversations with experts and model developers, we heard a real interest in that kind of collaboration of sort of incorporating the insights of social sciences uh, into model development from an early stage. Um, some model developers are really eager to hear from their colleagues in the social sciences about these sort of um, the ways that social position and social structure uh, can affect people's access to and use of healthcare. Um, disciplinary silos make this kind of difficult, but um, there are some efforts to diversify educational offerings for computer science students, for example, um, and work around building like AI ethics into education for those students. So building in sort of specific intersections between social science and ethics and computer science. It's, uh, there's some really interesting work going on in that space. Uh, these kinds of opportunities for the disciplines to sort of connect and engage with these sort of these difficult questions about predictive models um, will be really interesting. It'll be interesting to see how computer science education specifically may, um, may sort of embrace this model. In terms of our next steps, uh, the work I'm doing now is focused on two aspects of predictive models specifically. Um, so patient perspectives, which is a little different from this specific project. Um, and some additional uh, analysis of how health systems are conceptualizing these models. So um, my work uh, in the past has tried to sort of bridge patient perspectives and health system approaches to look for sort of opportunities for alignment um, or potential mismatches there and how we can bring patient perspectives and health system approaches sort of into better alignment. Uh, the senior author on this paper, Jody Platt, is also leading an interdisciplinary team of researchers on a grant that will build on this work. Um, we're gonna be looking at AI specifically and clinical decision support and exploring sort of how these kinds of models can be integrated to care, um, how equity can be foundational to that type of work, uh, and then think about ways to help patients understand these tools. Um, so that'll be sort of a specific outgrowth uh, um, from this project in addition to, to my dissertation work. Well, those are all the questions that I had planned, but is there anything we didn't touch on you'd like to include, or do you have any closing thoughts you'd like to share? I think that the literature in this space is still really nascent. It's still growing um, relatively quickly. It's, it's encouraging to see lots of you know, commentaries and editorials and think pieces about how we can identify and anticipate bias. And I think it, we're at a really exciting moment in this literature because this empirical work um, where we're collecting data and trying to understand how these systems are being built, how they might affect patients and how they could um, potentially be biased or work against existing bias is really exciting. Um, so I think 
just kind of watch this space. I think there's really, um, there's really exciting empirical work uh, that, that's happening now. Great. Well, thank you again so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. To learn more about this issue, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. To get in touch with us, email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.